Okay, welcome into the latest edition of the Lima Land Hoops in History. I'm your host, Matt Childers, alongside my good friend, it's Jason Geyser. And uh, we'll take you through a few things here uh, on the podcast. It's a New Year's Eve podcast, uh, getting ready for the college football playoff, the final four, as it were, with the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl. Buckeyes playing in the Sugar Bowl. That'll be the 8 p.m. game uh, tomorrow night, and then, uh, which would be January 1st. Uh, And then the Rose Bowl to follow with uh, Alabama and Notre Dame. More things to come on that. But uh, welcome in, my good friend. It's Jason Geyser. Jason, happy holidays. How are you, my friend? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Same to you. Happy holidays. And thanks for having me, as always. You know it. You know it. Uh, All right. So, you know, we've got a little bit of time to look at this. I think maybe some of the headlines coming out of uh, Buckeye World and the college football playoff are the Buckeyes kind of limp their way in in large part due to COVID-19 and not having their full complement of players, uh, had a little bit of a tough run against Northwestern. You actually told us that the last time we talked, uh, whether it was on the radio or the podcast, that you thought the Buckeyes might start a little slow and it may not be as uh, convincing uh, as some would like to think. So the Buckeyes kind of limp in with Northwestern and then Clemson blows out Notre Dame. And it turns out that Clemson and, and Ohio State are going to face each other uh, for another time uh, again. And then the other headline is Dabo Sweeney ranked the Buckeyes 11th. And he explained it this way, that teams that only played six games, he only he would not rank in the top 10. as That was his rationale. And uh, so he put the Buckeyes at 11th underneath Coastal Carolina. You kind of hear me laughing. So was that... Uh, First off, a mistake on Dabo Sweeney to give the Buckeyes some extra incentive uh, and give that bulletin uh, board material to the to Ryan Day and his club uh, that Dabo Sweeney did. And then give me your thoughts on what you think has taken place here uh, in the Northwestern game and then going forward into this game. As far as Dabo, I'm not a big fan. I never have been. Uh, but man, he can coach. Yeah. <laughs> I have to swallow my pride there because when he got that job, I didn't think he could. I was like, oh boy, Clemson's going to be Clemsoning. Remember that back in the time Clemsoning was a term for like <laughs> blowing it all the time? Yeah. And I, I thought that was, there was going to be a lot more ahead of that, and he'd be there three or four years and be canned because he couldn't coach. And boy, I, I swung and missed hard on that one because he's obviously an elite level college football coach. Um, not a fan. I, I think, uh, yeah, why do, you, why do you do something like that? You know your vote's going to be made public. Don't you just bite hard and rank them fourth? Or whatever, yeah, and and that way, that way, there's because you know that's going to be bulletin board material. The only thing I can come up with is he doesn't care, right? He doesn't care about bulletin board material. He's got, in theory, the better team. You know, if you're looking at the rankings and and all, all that kind of stuff. So I think he just said, look, I'm going to stay true to my principles here, and and we'll get on guys all the time. I'm not going to bash the guy for staying true to his principles. He if he thinks that's the most important thing is playing a lot of games, then then that, that's that is absolute right. I, we, we complain all the time when coaches and players are kind of milk toast with us, you know, and, and they don't have anything to say and they just give us the company line. So I'm not, I'm not going to shred a guy too hard for sticking with his beliefs right. and, and being willing to take the blowback that comes with it and then sit there. He doubled down a couple days ago, right? Where he was like, yeah, I'm not going to back down off that. It's what I believe. So, all right, man, until, until the Buckeyes beat him, uh, there ain't anything to say because – this has been quite the rivalry lately, but it's been really one-sided. Yeah, indeed. Uh, th- that's really insightful from your perspective to say, hey, look, we always ask and say don't be a robot, and it's football coach speak, uh, especially on the football side. It seems like that happens a lot. But, uh, yeah, he was he was uh, very convicted in what he said, and maybe it'll pe- benefit the Buckeyes, and maybe it won't. Um, a lot of the coaches, they'd rather be, I guess, right. They'd rather be either right or happy, meaning, oh, I, I ranked – Ohio State third or fourth, and and if they're if we blow them out, then I was then then I'm happy anyway. So I really like your take on it because I think that's a really good perspective. Uh, you're right in terms of the history recently, and I do believe that it's the only team that Ohio State's played at least four games with where they have not won a game. The last three have gone what 31 to zero, uh, 29 to 23 last year. Um, the, the 31 to th- uh, zero was really a painful one. Um, I happened to be in South Florida at that time and, and, uh, was really looking forward to watching that game. And 
uh, boy, it was over really, really quickly. So, in fact, at that same time in 20, it would have been 2017, the turn of 2017, I think it was New Year's Eve, Jim Harbaugh's club was playing Florida State uh, in the Orange Bowl. And, and Michigan was actually being considered as almost kind of a, you know, a semi-equal in the Big Ten at that point. They lost a tough one there uh, either the night before or the night after. And then Ohio State gets rolled. Uh, and then last year, it just got away from them. It seemed like Ohio State really should have won that game, and they were unable to come up with it. So uh, what are your thoughts on – you talked about how good Dabo Sweeney's been as a, as a head coach. What are your thoughts on the on – the, quote-unquote rivalry between these two? I think it's been fun. I mean, as an Ohio State graduate, I wish we'd won a couple. Um, I think when it went into, I believe it was an Orange Bowl, that first meeting since the the Woody Hayes game, Yeah, uh, it, it had been 30, 40 years or however long that had been, and, and it was that shootout in the Orange Bowl, uh, kind of a consolation game. It wasn't for anything. It wasn't a playoff game or anything. And I think that was the first time they had met in that long, and and now they're meeting all the time. I mean, yeah. they can't get out of each other's ways right now. Uh, look, I think most people kind of agree that right now in the overall world of college football, it's Alabama and then a tiny little step down to Clemson and then a not tiny little, but a little step down to Ohio State and then you fall off a cliff. That's, uh, yeah. So, and, and again, all I can do is sit here with the team that's sitting third in those rankings on my side and say, well, start beating those teams because – that, that win over Alabama that we all like to pound our chests about was a long time ago now. Yeah, I got to tell you, you're exactly right. I mean, it's it's the usual suspects, and I don't I don't think it's changing anytime soon. I think Alabama and Clemson are in that driver's seat, and uh, they're not going to relinquish that very time anytime soon. You've said it many times. I agree with you that there's the Buckeyes and the Big Ten, and then everybody else. They've really significantly. Uh, define themselves as the elite team in the Big Ten. Um, I think they just like to be able to play better. How much do you think? It, it, I heard Ryan Day say something that it was almost some 300 different days or people that had, you know, excused absences because of COVID-19. So it's really been a tough year. I know that coaches don't like to make excuses, but do you really feel going into this that Ohio State, uh, because I think they were supposed to be really good when before COVID hit uh, in March that everybody was thinking they're going to be right back at the top of the leaderboard. How much does that impact at Ohio State? I feel like huge. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the story of the season. Right. And I wish it wasn't because, man, going in, you could have said, yeah, that's going to be the story of the season. And yeah. then it was. And that's not cool. That's that's not fun. That's not interesting. Uh, but, yeah, okay. this team, I, I've, I've told you before, I just don't think they've ever gained their footing. They're still good, really good. They're still obviously a top four team in the country, I think. Uh, they're still top three in talent. Um, but until you can play every week and put that together, I just heard a couple hours ago, I was watching the end of the Wisconsin game, and uh, Marty Smith was on the sidelines for ESPN, and he was just going off on how Ohio State had such a huge advantage because they had played so few games and, and they were going to be fresh. And that's, that's a perfectly acceptable take if you believe that. I, but I believe 100% the opposite. I don't think fresh matters at all. I, I think this is a football season. You're mm. used to, in December, being kind of beat up and, and, and been through the ringer a few times. And I think you want that. You will have learned all those lessons that come with that. And I, I would have much rather them have played 12, 13 games by now than, than six or seven or whatever it's been. Yeah, great. Yeah, indeed. I, I'm right with you there. Uh, i I do think I don't think the fresh thing matters at all. Um, I, th- I think they need to have. I think they almost need to pitch a semi-perfect game to win this game because I think Clemson's just going to have so many chances uh, based on what they did to Notre Dame, and I think Trevor Lawrence is the best player. I don't know if he'll get the Heisman or not, but I think he's the best player in college football, or at least he and maybe one or two others. And I'm not sure that Justin Fields, he had an injury. I'm not sure if uh, he's going to be full strength. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a tough road. I think it's going to be a tough road for the Buckeyes. Um, if I was a betting man and I'm not, uh, I think I'd I think I'd lay that whatever it is. If it was six and a half points, I think I'd I think I know that's a lot of points, but um, hell, they Ohio State played great with them last year and got beat by six, right? So, yeah, dominated half. Yeah. Yeah. Two and a half quarters of that game, and and got beat by six. I think it was six and a half. Uh, 
I'm, I'm forgetting that right now, but I think you're right. And I, I know just the homer in me took Ohio State to cover. Uh, and I, I kind of regret it because the, the closer <laughs> we get, it's got, I've got a bad feeling in my stomach. And I always do. I'm a pessimistic fan, so I'm probably not the best guy to, to have on this just for clean analysis because I can't shake who I am. And that's a, a lifelong fan and a graduate of that university and also kind of a pessimist. Uh, so we get closer and I keep uh, I'm in first place in my bowl pool right now for the first time ever. And I keep thinking, oh, it's going to be funny when I lose this thing because I picked the Buckeyes to cover and Clemson ends up beating them by a couple of touchdowns. Well, let's hope they don't. Let's hope it's a I really do hope it's a good game. I mean, it's January 1st. It's on the traditional day when we love to watch football and have the day to be able to do it as a nation. Let's let's have some fun with it. Uh, all right. And we so, don't have any games that day anymore. Right. You know, like, yeah, drives me crazy. New Year's Day used to be what, eight games used to be or something awesome. like that. Yeah. Two in every time slot, basically, yeah. until the night game. And and now it's, I think it's just four games. And I don't think that's because of COVID at all. I think that's just, that's what's scheduled. There's no, I think that's the way that uh, the, the, the 130, a 4.30 and a 8. Yeah. And that's like a, yeah. And the back, the back game there is, uh, well, Cincinnati and, and Georgia, uh, We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, did wasn't not a good showing by Notre Dame in the uh, second matchup against Clemson in the ACC championship game. Do you give them a puncher's chance? No, I don't. I, I, I haven't all year. I, I haven't in 20 years. Yeah. I was, I was I was in college the last time I gave Notre Dame a puncher's chance. And uh, I, look, I hate that. I, look, I know there's a lot of fans of that program that probably hear me say that on your shows and stuff and get mad at me, but. I just they haven't given me anything to believe no. in over yeah. the last 20 years. So these flashes of being pretty good, I don't think the ACC is anything. I think it's easy to go undefeated in the ACC. Uh, I think I said that about Clemson for years, and now clearly Clemson doesn't go undefeated because they play in the ACC. Right. They go undefeated because he gets really good recruiting classes and he's a good coach. Yeah. Uh, but if you aren't to that level, it's easy to look that way in the ACC. And I really believe it's easy. I know Notre Dame fans hate this, but – they don't schedule like they used to. For a long time, it was, oh, man, Notre Dame plays the toughest schedule in the country. And you would go up and down, and it was. And that just hasn't been true in a long time now. So even like the Manti Teo year, I can look at that and go, schedule's not that great. That's kind of similar to being on par with just being in one of these leagues and, mm. and whatnot. It's not that unbelievably tough nationwide schedule like it was in the 70s and 80s, I feel. Uh, so, yeah, I'm the wrong guy to come to if you want something nice said about Notre Dame. I, I just <laughs> it's not it's not because I don't like them. I don't have anything against Notre Dame. I, right. Uh, Ohio State and Notre Dame didn't play until I was in college and they've only played maybe four or five times my entire life. So it's not like it's a rivalry. I, I just uh, when I look at, uh, on paper and and twice as much when I see them on TV, I, I don't get I don't see anything to get that excited about. I just think Bama's so good this year again. Yeah. I, I remember, was it a year or two ago where we were talking about how maybe this Bama thing was finally going to come to an end someday? Mm. And it, it just isn't. We, <laughs> Him retiring, Saban retiring is when this is going to come to an end. If we, then. we have had, uh, we have had, um, you know, fun making fun of uh, Nick Saban on my radio program for years with his comment that I guess I'm going to have to say it. I am not going to Alabama. And then two weeks later, he's on a, uh, you know, on a, uh, on a, on a Lear jet headed to Alabama to become the Alabama coach from the dolphins. But boy, he's been remarkable and it's been a remarkable run for him. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a wipeout for Alabama. I think they cruise into the finals uh, and they'll either play Clemson or Ohio state. Uh, just one last note on that Mantau Teo. How are you engaged to somebody that you've never seen before or that you've never personally met? How is that possible? That's a lot of naivete. Mm. You know, some folks are just naive. I'm, I'm a cynic. I'm a skeptic. <laughs> I'm not really sure I'm talking to you right now, and I can see you on Zoom. It's really you. But, uh, you know, some people believe that life is just this wonderful place and the world is full of good-hearted people. Yeah. And, uh you know, great. <laughs> I, I hope you, I hope you make it through life living that way. But, but man, that was amazing. I remember reading that and it was on like dead spin or something. Yeah. I had yeah. the scoop on that. And, and that wasn't at the time. And I, I don't even think it is still really a reputable place where you go for actual journalism. Right. And reading that and thinking, okay, are they making this up? Is this a parody site? You know, is this like <laughs> the onion for sports? What am I reading? It was, it was, I don't know if I've read oh. anything that crazy even since then. Have you? Is that the craziest thing that's happened in the 2000s? It's 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 up there because the the to me the painfulness was then 
having Mantauteo having to explain it, like, you know, because he's, you know, in the profile position that he's in. And that was just... Oh, and then it got to be, was he behind it? Remember, there was all that kind of stuff. And I, I guess I tuned out. Maybe I, I didn't, I don't I didn't know that. Out who was behind it. And I, I think it was just like, you know, skeptical, terrible people that yeah. wanted to bash that guy. And I, I don't think so. I think he was just naive. And I always felt for the guy. You know, I did, like, too. I did, too. I almost, player. He, he I mean, almost he was want... the heart and soul of that team. He let, they were undefeated because of him. Very yeah. rarely can you point to one guy, especially on defense. Right. But he's gone. They got two or three losses that year. Oh, that was a that was a painful one. All right, uh, same same with uh, Cincy. Uh, eight versus nine. They're eight. Georgia's nine. They do have to travel to Georgia's backyard in the Peach Bowl. Uh, you give them a puncher's chance. Yeah, I do, and that surprises me because I normally wouldn't. I'm a I'm a big school elitist type of guy. Uh, I have no problem admitting that. Um, but I just like how Cincy wins. Uh, they're just they're not out there. You know, it's not Boise from 20 years ago or however long ago that was where it's all trick plays and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, they're just out there, and they, they rough you up, and they play defense, and they've got a good quarterback, and he runs, and, and they can run the ball. And I like their style. I don't know if they're going to win that game, but but I think I think that's a good game. Uh, Georgia, it's not like this is the Georgia team of a couple years ago that was, you know, nearly playoff level or, there well, there was a playoff team, what, last year or the year before? Uh, Georgia was in the the final they, four. You know they beat. This team's not that good. They've gotten a lot better over the course of the year, but they're not at that level. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, roll Kelly. out of the rack and watch that one for sure. Yeah, they came within uh, a Tua Balua, you know, deep pass in the second half, winning the national championship. Georgia did. Uh, they also beat Oklahoma in one of the great Rose Bowl games of all time. So they're a good program. I, their quarterback situation this year has not been ideal. Uh, and uh, we'll see. You know, Luke Fickle's kind of a poor man's Jim Trussell, um, yeah. you know, with the, the way his philosophy is, and he's had a heck of a run uh, at Cincy, so good good on him. Uh, and then the last one is Northwestern and Auburn um, in the Citrus Bowl. I don't know if Gus Malzone will be there. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald will be there for Northwestern, and they played the Buckeyes pretty well, but they just didn't have enough, even against what I would consider either – Ohio State's JV squad or their JV plus squad. Yeah, and I didn't see Auburn at all this year, so this was this was a hard pick for me. I think I've got Northwestern hanging in that one just because, again, how they play. Yeah, I, I always think that means a lot. Uh, you're, when you're just so rooted in doing things the right way, you don't tend to get blown out. You tend to be in every game, and, and I, I put a lot of parallels there between Cincinnati and Northwestern in that angle. Um, I don't think this Auburn team is particularly good. Uh, I don't think this Northwestern team is particularly good, but they showed that they could muddy the game up with one of the elite teams in the country. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't think Auburn's on Ohio State's level, right? Am I crazy? That's no, no. So if they played Ohio State that well, there's no reason I don't think they can't play with or beat Auburn. Right, right. All right, so very good. Uh, this is the Lima Land Hoops in History podcast. Matt Childers, Jason Geyser. Haven't got to hoops yet, but we're going to get there right now. Big Ten basketball. I think there's nine Big Ten teams in the top 25. I've really enjoyed watching it with, you know, uh, kind of a, uh, a self-imposed, uh, uh, you know, isolation uh, with the with the uh, COVID-19 still happening. Uh, I've seen myself watching more and more basketball than I've ever watched uh, with regards to uh, – uh, the 2020 fall season as we turn the corner here to 2021. And I think there's some really great teams in the Big Ten. I mean, when you you think about Iowa, I saw a great Minnesota comeback. I thought it was a terrible loss for Michigan State, and it's actually kind of knocked them down as they then lost again. Um, uh, Michigan State with a really tough loss, um, or Iowa with a really tough loss at Minnesota, then Michigan State with a tough loss at Minnesota. They've been kind of stumbling, but you know Michigan's been very good. Iowa's been good. Minnesota's good. Ohio State's shown that they're pretty good. Northwestern's pretty good. Wisconsin, um, I don't know if I'm leaving any, but oh, Illinois, very very good. So anyway, what's your what's your state of the of the Big Ten? They keep going. Rutgers, Northwestern, you know, it's deep. That's yeah. that's the only take I have thus far. Purdue, because Purdue's not I, bad. I don't, What's that? Purdue's not bad either. Oh yeah, yeah. I know sure. Rutgers just beat them last night, but they're they beat Ohio State uh, without EJ Liddell. But uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, no. Well, we've gotten to the point now where we have to stop saying that, well, Rutgers beat them, so they must not be good, right? Because Rutgers is going to be a lot of people this year. They're just, they're good. Yeah. Uh, it's deep. I think it's really even um, at, at a couple different levels. You know, the, I think the tiers in the Big Ten are even now. I just don't know how it sizes up nationally. And mm-hmm. I always look at the polls because that's really all you have to do when once you're in the conference play. And there wasn't a ton of, I didn't see a ton of really great intersectional or interconference games this year because of COVID and whatnot. Uh, so I just kind of look and I see the Big Ten now settling down. Eh, boy, it was three teams in the top five two or three weeks ago. And now there's only two in the top <laughs> ten. And I think it's just one of those leagues where they're going to beat each other up like they do every yeah. year. And you're not going to get a good representation because, you know, you go, oh, okay, well, Wisconsin's 8-1. and one. Well, you're telling me that a 25th-ranked Ohio State can't beat Wisconsin? Yeah. That's ludicrous. You know, or or like you said, Minnesota, who I think is 21st right now, or, boy, oh, man, going to Minnesota has always been. Even when they're bad, going to Minnesota's tough. Uh, so, yeah, I got parity right now. That's, that's really my only take on the league right now. I don't know if there's a team that can uh, really compare to the, the national greats at this moment. I don't think Wisconsin's that team. Maybe Iowa. Um, but, yeah, I, I got a deep, and give me a month, you know? Yeah, I, don't, it, 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 I agree. I, it's it's going to be really interesting. I think I heard Stephen Bardo say on uh, one of the games recently that the winner of the Big Ten last year lost six games uh, in the conference. So I, I think that that's on the table. Uh, it's interesting to see. Matt Metzger and I have talked about this before where and he, he actually did a little – study on it all the people that have left the state of ohio as a high school graduate and gone on somewhere else um and i saw that uh with uh i think it was uh wayne huber heights uh the point guard for wisconsin i think his name is uh uh it's his last name's trees i think his dad's the head coach there and his one yeah, brother, there, were, there were a couple one like went to michigan state yeah 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 he had 29 the other day uh, and had a really, really nice game. Uh, he was the point guard there. And then I saw Iowa that uh, Joe Frederick, he's an old colleague of mine. He worked at WLW, works at WLW, played for Digger Phelps at Notre Dame. His nephew uh, plays for Iowa. He's starting, he, his last name's Frederick as well. It's his brother's son, uh, went out to Iowa, and he's averaging uh, considerable double figures. Um, and so, we, you know, there's people in Ohio that, I think he actually played in Northern Kentucky. I think he played in Covington. But all that being said, I think there's a lot of great players that uh, Ohio State, I'd like to see Chris Holtman get them back uh, because there's players that we all know that are kind of the usual suspects, like the Dakota Mathiases and the Xavier Simpsons. And uh, who, who was the guy from uh, uh, Whitmer that went to, uh, went to uh, Wisconsin? And you have yeah. all of these it guys. Yeah, bad for a while there. Yeah, so we, we were losing all of these guys. So hopefully Chris Holtman can kind of get that back. And uh, I, I will say this about the Buckeyes. I think they're, they're good defensively. Uh, I'm not sure against a really good team that they can score like they did against Notre Dame where they won that game 90-85. to 85. That's, I think, the bugaboo for them is when things get down tight uh, in the last, let's say, six, seven minutes – it's tough to find a score for the Buckeyes. Yeah, there's nobody. There's nobody that I'm really confident in that yeah. I'm saying, give me that guy every day. You know, across the Big Ten, give me that guy. No, yeah. not, on, not on that roster. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, we talked a couple weeks ago on here. I'm not in love with this team. I think they're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I, I like the players. That I don't have any problem with any of the players or anything like that. When I say I'm not in love with them, I mean I, I don't think they're any kind of a contender. I don't think they're going to contend for the Big Ten. Yeah, ten or, or beyond that certainly. Um, anybody can get hot and make a run. That's the that's the thing about playing a tournament. You know, they could be peaking in March and win the Big Ten tournament or something like that and go to the Elite Eight. But I, that's not you can't predict that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's going to. There's nothing to balance there yet. Yeah, I, I say watch out for Illinois. Uh, watch out for Iowa. Uh, I think they're very good. I think uh, I think Michigan. Gosh, I am so impressed with them. What the because well, your favorite. I understand. <laughs> I, know, I know that you. I know you don't even refer to them as Michigan. I just am stunned at Juwan Howard being able to pick up where John Beeline left off with and bringing guys in, uh, which I thought that they were going to be really down this year, and uh, they they've made a nice little run. So, oh, that's kind of cool to go there again, you know? Yeah. Like 
I feel like when Michigan's good, it's because they're cool. Yeah. They're, you know, and, and it's only happened a couple of times in my life. It happened with the Glenn Rice era. It happened with the Fab Five. And now I feel like it's that, that current status right now. It's just yeah. it's a cool place to be, and they're winning, and Beeline did such a good job there. And I didn't know what to expect from Juwan because he was just you know, an NBA assistant coming in. Uh, and, man, has he done a good job. He has done a good job. Uh, yeah, you got you got to put them in the conversation. But with the Big Ten, you know what's going to happen, don't you? They're going to get ten teams in the tournament or something like that, some crazy huge number. Yeah. And, like, two of them are going to make it past the first week. <laughs> There's your cynicism coming out. Yeah, that uh, always happens. That's, uh, that's, that's great. not even cynicism. That's just a history lesson. Oh, that's fun. All right, uh, this is uh, the Lima Land Hoops and History Podcast. It's Matt Childers, Jason Geyser. Season two of the podcast as we uh, going to turn the leaf into 2021. Uh, this portion brought to you by our good friends at uh, Westgate Entertainment Center. They're going to help you get through and into 2021 with all kinds of great deals at Westgate Entertainment Center. Awesome pizza, wings. Head over to Westgate during these holidays and uh, going forward. All right, so high school hoops. Um, it's been a while. I'm going to go to the Shawnee LCC game. Shawnee hosts LCC tonight. Uh, we talked about that, Alabama and kind of everybody else in in college football. Right now, it seems to be Shawnee, as we've talked about, and everybody else led by their Division II uh, Player of the Year, George Mangus. Um, they're going to play LCC tonight. They they crushed LCC in the tip-off, in the final of the tip-off. By, uh, if it wasn't 40 points, it was really close to that. Uh, and then there's kind of everybody else. I had you know some notes on Columbus Grove. Kaleida was having a good little run. I think they had a nice win the other night against Archbold, uh, and then they got beat just uh, recently. OG, uh, they've had one loss to LCC. Saul Perry, I think they're a pretty good squad. Um, who else am I missing, and what are your thoughts as we turn the page to 2021 and head to hopefully what will be the uh, Ohio High School Basketball Association's tournament at St. John Arena? Yeah, that's those usual suspects. I think you named off, for the most part, the teams that, that have gotten out to such hot starts. Uh, Lincoln View's been pretty good. Ottaville's been mm. pretty good. Yeah. Throw them both in there. Yes. Uh, I think neither, neither one of them has more than two losses right now. I don't have the standings right in front of me. Um, I just look back. Yeah, that was a 42-point game the last time at the tip-off championship game when LCC and Shawnee met. It was close in the first half, though. Honestly, that, that was I was there. I stayed through three quarters. Yeah. And, uh, I planned to leave at halftime, and I thought, you know what, this this game isn't in hand yet. I'm going to hang around a little while longer. So, uh, you know, that's when you're playing Shawnee, hey, can you keep it close at half? Is that the measuring stick right, right. now? Right. For a, for a local team, is, is can you can you keep it close for two quarters? They're just uh, we don't need to turn this into a gushing over Shawnee podcast because it could easily <laughs> become that. They're they're really really good, and you know until somebody figures out how to knock them off, that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, I love the fact that they come out. They come into league play now, swinging in the new year. Um, Salina and Defiance didn't give them any challenge, as you wouldn't think they would have uh, for the first two league games. And now, right out of the bricks uh, on the eighth, it's Wapak, and on the fifteenth, it's St. Mary's. Uh, two weeks after that, I don't want to overlook Van Wert. That's who's next, but I, I can't help but to obviously jump to the OG game. That's a couple weeks after that. So, yeah. uh, you know, here it comes. It's slowly but surely we're going to start to see. The Indians, uh, the, the toughest part of their schedule is kicking in. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they get to play it. You know, we already saw flying to the hoop get canceled. So yeah. Let's 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 have Dunbar be the only fun game that gets scratched off that schedule. Let's have the rest of them good, actually get played. Good point. Um, the the other the other piece there was it looks like Lima seniors kind of got their team and they're actually able to play some games. I know that uh, we could talk about it in a second a little bit about what's happening in Toledo and Lucas County and. Uh, their uh, protocols and what's happening there with the public and the private schools. Uh, but Lima Senior actually had a big win uh, last evening, and it was an impressive win. They actually, um, you know, I, they lost a lot. You, you said it. They lost 10 people uh, a couple podcasts ago, uh, including, you know, Division One player, another scholarship player. And so uh, it's back to the drawing board for Quincy Simpson, but it sounds like he's pretty pleased with where they are right now. He has gone out of his way to say how he loves this team. Hmm. I, he, he brought that up unsolicited that, yep, lost 10 guys I loved, but oh my gosh, is this a fun team to coach? He talked about how they just, he can ride them and, and they can deal with it. You know, they can, they can hear the message instead of the criticism. 
uh, which is something that Garen Stokes said back during football season, and it stuck with me. Um, he can coach them. They're, they're hardworking. He, he's got one of these teams where he's got guys that play defense, which is how you win at Lima Senior. Uh, it's how you win in good leagues like the track. It's how you win in Division One. Uh, you got to play good defense, and he's got those kids. Uh, Rollins, I, I finally got to see them play. I hadn't seen them for the first few games of the year. I finally got to see them for two or three games. Rollins is a shutdown guard. Mm. He is tough to get past, and and they start swarming at you with multiple guys when they turn the press on. And uh, Luster's no slouch on defense either. I know he's going to get talked about as the three-point shooter and the scorer this year, but he's no slouch either on the defensive side. They're a lot of fun to watch again, uh, and I'm looking forward to when they get to uh, take on some of the, the better teams on their schedule. They've got a stretch here coming up. Um, well, they're at Finley next Friday on the 8th, mm. and uh, – uh, there's the Friday after that is LCC, which is always a fun game, and uh, OG the very next night, and two nights later, I, listen to this stretch. I mean, these are all compacted because two nights later it's St. Francis, who's the pick to win the track this year. That's so incredible. Yeah, it's going to get interesting. I, I love this schedule, and we're really getting into it right now. Shawnee is two games after that. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a that's a, a if a, you know if you're a coach, that's what you want to do. I think. Uh, in January, you want to play those that that schedule that prepares you for the tournament. But that's one heck of a stretch there. Uh, I hope to make a couple of those games. But I always love Khalil Lester, even with the uh, you know with, with uh, the the uh, Josiah Fulchers of the world, who were clearly the Division One player and the and the captain of that team. But I just loved watching uh, uh, you know the point guard run, what he's able to do and be able to execute things. And I always thought they were better when he was out there. He's probably a lot more freed up this year. I haven't had a chance to see him. Uh, I will definitely uh, put my marker on a number of those games that you just talked about. So, uh, yeah, we're going to turn the corner here. We'll look at what high school hoops is. Um, I was impressed with uh, with uh, 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 Kaleida when I saw them play LCC. And I do think that they got beat by Crestview last night at Crestview. They lost a... I think it was a two-point game. Yeah, two-point game. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So um, that's very interesting. Just a lot of good – man, we've, we've been really lucky. And I, I once said that to Coach Sagerson that uh, we were talking uh, regarding the radio games that we were able to kind of choose from over the years, that we had been lucky over the last 20 years. And he said, shoot, over the last 50 years, because that's what Lima Land really hoops has been about, is there's just been incredible games. and it still keeps coming. So thanks for sharing those schedules, Jason. Uh, it'll be interesting uh, how we go forward here and see who kind of keeps themselves as the elite uh, with Shawnee, Columbus Grove, Kaleida, Lima Senior, Perry, OG, uh, Crestview. Lots of fun. Uh, I, I saw Lincoln View beat uh, Ottoville. Uh, and that that whole, we shared this before as well, that that Elida district could be unbelievable with Crestview and uh, Kaleida and Ottoville and Lincoln View and throw a, you know, maybe Adolphus St. John's. You got name dropped on some of your programs a couple of times. Remember uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Sensabaugh? Yeah. Made sure to bring up Lincoln View as a team to watch out in the NWC. And yeah. on the radio program a few weeks ago, Jeremy Best was talking about how good Lincoln View was going to be. Yeah. You know, those guys with, with intimate knowledge of that program and that league. So, uh, yeah, probably no surprise to see them out to a good start. When you get a couple of top-notch coaches like that looking your way, uh, you better believe that they're going to be pretty good. Uh, you got to get into January, right? Everything yep. that happened in November and December, is it was fun, and it got us to the holidays. Yeah. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to begin, you know, in, in a week. Yeah, That's, for sure. They get real serious in a week. For sure. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go to the history part of this podcast and uh, just harken back. Uh, it's history plus present, which is Dakota Mathias, who uh, had just had an incredible career at Elida and then at Purdue. Uh, and he has taken his talents over to uh, Spain and then now back. He played in uh, the Dallas uh, farm system for the Mavericks uh, uh, farm system uh, last year. And now he finds himself because the G League is, I shouldn't say it because the G League, but because the G League is no longer there, there's about 20 to 25 guys on a roster, and I think like 15 or so, maybe 17 can dress. 
he got the opportunity the other night uh, against the Cavaliers uh, in a Cavaliers blowout win to come in and score eight points. And uh, I saw and I had a little conversation uh, via text with John Michael. We call him J. Mike, who's the voice of the Cavaliers on television. And he mentioned Dakota Mathias, this is doing your homework, Jason. You would appreciate this, that he's doing his homework and he knows Dakota Mathias is from Lima, Ohio. He mentions the late, great Vince Coza uh, and says there's been great, great basketball in the town of uh, Lima, Ohio. So I thought it was really cool to see kind of, you know, that uh, that history of John Michael referencing uh, the Coes fitting him in there because they had a lot of interviews together. And then Dakota Mathias and, and showing him some love uh, as he made his uh, NBA debut. One of which I think, according to the historian Bob Segerson, uh, Coach Seg, in terms of graduates from high schools around Lima, meaning not around Lima, but in the city of Lima, um, that John McCullough in the 1976, who played at Oklahoma, went into the NBA uh, is in the Lima Senior Hall of Fame, and now Dakota Mathias uh, are the only two players who have graduated from a high school in the primary uh, schools of LCC, Lima Senior, Shawnee, Bath, Elida, Perry, that, that group, not going out into the other regions. Those are the only two. There's two, just two, John McCullough and now Dakota Mathias, who have scored in the NBA. Wow. I. I, I never would have dreamed that. We've had so many good players come right. out of here. Yeah. That that I, I don't know. You you got me stunned. I don't know how to react to that, man. That well, that blows me away. I can't believe it's a two-man list. I would say this that you know there's there's Evan Eschmeyer who's a little bit further down the road at New Knoxville, and then yep. Tyler Eulis was born in Lima, but he did not graduate from a high school in Lima. So that's kind of the the, the qualifier there. Um, and then no, that's fair though. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, Tyler moved away and. Yeah, I, I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever suited up at a high school. Didn't he leave after eighth grade year? Yes, it was just before me. That's right. So that's right. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, we can count him as a Lima guy, but not as a Lima grad. Sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, pretty cool there, and being able to see uh, Dakota Mathias kind of go. You you covered him a lot, I'm sure, in high school and then college. And I know you've had some sit downs. I know there's been uh, different interviews with Dakota. Uh, what what are your thoughts on what what he's doing right now? No, it's hard not to root for him. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. He was a nice kid, and now he's a nice adult. Right. Uh, he's he's free with his time. He's he's always good to us. You text the guy, and he gets right back to you. Uh, I he was a freshman or a sophomore when I moved back here, and I remember going over. It's what it was. It was Reggie's senior year, and I remember going over to a game, my first Elida game, because I got here in January. So if, I don't know if Dakota was a freshman or a sophomore when Reggie was a senior. And I walked out of there, and, and um, I mean, you remember, there was like a, for Maddie and Reggie that same year, it was like a cult following. Mm. Uh, and yeah. boy, was Ty O'Connor in that class as well? Yes. Yeah. I, it, it was, boy, it was some talent, and it was all people around here could talk to. And I moved here from Wisconsin and just got hit over the head with Maddie, Reggie, Ty, Maddie, Reggie, Ty. Yeah. And when I'm going to Elida, they're like, oh, you're going to love watching Reggie play. And I, I did love watching Reggie play. But I walked out of there that night, and I told the guys in the sports department when I got back, I said, yeah, but that freshman or sophomore, he's even better. Yeah. And it was blasphemy. Oh, man, I got run out of the room. They're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, you can't say that. And I'm like, I don't know, man. He just he, he looks amazing. And sure enough, I mean, Reggie's the best athlete to ever go through that school, I'm told. Um, so mm. it would be hard for me to believe that Dakota is the best basketball player. Yeah. And to see him. I, I'm just sitting there, and, I, and I, the game's boring, and I don't normally watch the NBA, and it's a blowout, and for whatever reason, I have it on. And they call a timeout, and he crossed, he walked across the screen. I was like, oh, yeah, Dakota's up. I I totally forgot. You know, I'm not in NBA mode yet. And then sure enough, five minutes later, he's checking in. Didn't waste 20 seconds before he hoisted a jump shot and knocked it down. Yeah. Go down, play some defense. Next time down, drains a three. It's like, oh, man, he's, he hasn't missed a touch. He's right back out there knocking down jumpers. I, I saw his walk, and it was funny. I You, you said he – I did not see it live. I saw the highlights, and uh, I I could just tell. I was like, oh, there he is, because I've watched him for so long that I knew that that was his kind of move around, you know, the baseline and coming out and, and receiving the pass and then making his, his, his first move to the bucket. But uh, I'm told that uh, – that uh, Doc Rivers gave him some nice compliments after the game. 
I really am glad he's, I mean, at this point, I don't, I don't know Doc Rivers, but what I know of him, I really hope that uh, uh, the things that he's saying to Dakota are, are true and that he's sincere about them, that, hey, keep working hard, you know, keep doing what you're doing, and, and we'll see how things go. So let's just hope he gets that opportunity and, uh, you know, is able to maybe stay with this team uh, for the year because I think he'd be under a pretty good mentor and be under a, a, a team that may be able to uh, do some really special things uh, in the East. I know Boston's, I know Boston's good. Uh, I, I know that uh, uh, when you look at uh, the the uh, uh, the the East, uh, Philadelphia is in that conversation. So Miami's in that conversation. So it'll be fun to. It, it certainly will be fun. I've I've had a lot of fun following these guys, uh, and I mean these guys like. Dakota Mathias, Xavier Simpson, Terrence Sullivan, Martise Kimbrough, those guys, and watching them play in their collegiate and professional uh, years. So uh, that'll be that'll be a lot of fun to continue to watch, and it'll also give the barber shops lots of conversation. Is he will he be go down as the best player ever in the city of Lima? Uh, because there's you know there's conversations about that, uh, and if you qualify it to high school. Uh, it's pretty much a consensus that Greg Simpson is that guy. Uh, we've had five Mr. Basketball. Simpson won it twice. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, depending on Dakota's professional career, uh, where he ends up uh, in, in, the, in the lexicon of all-time. He's already there. He's already in the conversation. Now we'll see, is, is, he, the, is he the best player ever to come out of this, this city? So, uh, and I thought when, when he was starting down this professional journey, uh, I thought a lot more highly of his chances to make it in the pros than I would have, say, after his sophomore year, because he yeah. got so much better at the defensive end yeah. as a junior and a senior. And I just think that's important. You just can't. I, there are guys that are just shooters, but that's eh, a tough way to make a living. You you better round out your game. And yeah. I thought he did. And uh, so I'm not surprised at all to see him getting some run. I think you're well within your bounds to say that if the D League or the G League was playing right now. He probably wouldn't be up with the big team right now. And that's interesting where I haven't talked to him in a while, but I will ask him when I finally do talk to him, is would you rather at this point in your career be playing 30-some minutes a night and scoring 18, 22 a game Mm -hmm. against that next level down of competition, or would you rather be practicing with the big team and sitting on the bench uh, until until blowout time? Uh, what's, What's the better role for that? I'm sure every single individual has a different answer. Yeah. I'd rather be in the show. I'd rather be up there and, and be in it and know that this is, I'm going to watch every night what I need to become uh, and what I'm going to have to become in order to play. And I might have that opportunity if somebody gets hurt or if I get injected into a game and, you know, have a good run there that uh, I get to stay up there. So it's been yeah, impressive. You're a sprained ankle or an angry coach away from getting some run, right? Yeah. No matter how yeah. deep on the bench you are. Exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, very good. So uh, a couple of last things here. Uh, Limeland Hoops and History Podcast, Matt Childers, Jason Geyser, brought to you by our good friends at Westgate Entertainment Center. All right, Jason, um, here is um, a couple of things. On Monday morning, Monday morning when uh, Ohio awakes, are the Browns in the playoffs? Oh man! And, you're gonna and no, do that. You're gonna do that to me. And now know that uh, Ben Roethlisberger is resting. Mason Rudolph will be in, and he's had a little history there with uh, with uh, Miles Garrett. It's not uh, all that being said. The Steelers do not seem like they're gonna play at full tilt. Yes, they're in. I think they're in. Um, yeah, they're. I feel like Baker has played some of his best football coming off of games where he wasn't good mm-hmm. and he clearly was not good against the Jets. No. Um, so I think he'll be better. I have to imagine they're planning on getting most of those wide receivers back, which will obviously make Baker better if you have actual targets who have played NFL games before in their lives yeah. instead of a bunch of practice squad guys to throw to. Um, they can't fall behind because they can't abandon the running game. Uh, they barely ran the ball at all against the Jets. Um, but yeah, I think I think the coach is good enough. I think the quarterback, who I'm not a big fan of, will be good enough. And I, I think without Ben in there, even though he hasn't been great the last several weeks, um, it's a big step down to Mason Rudolph. Mm. And he's not the only guy that's not going to play. Tomlin can say what he wants on Tuesday. 
<laughs> if he's going to sit Ben Roethlisberger, he's going to sit at least two or three other important players, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think the Browns, uh, with an asterisk, get that Steelers monkey off their back. Obviously, it, it, won't, it won't count with the whole Roethlisberger not playing thing quite as much as, as ever. But uh, a win's a win, and when that's all you need to get in the playoffs, you will take it any way you can get it. I'm putting the Browns in. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, if I, I said to a number of my Browns fans, if I would have said three weeks ago, hey, all you have to do is beat the Jets to get into the playoffs, and lo and behold, you go to the Meadowlands with like 18 guys that weren't on your squad, four starting receivers, just a terrible situation for the Browns. Um, just overall. You still not win that game, right? Yeah. It was still a terrible performance. It, it from was. From top to bottom. It, it was one of the worst coach games of the season. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a big fan of that coach. Uh, but, boy, top to bottom, that was terrible. I can't believe that a depleted wide receiver core, basically, made you turn from the team that had looked so good for much of the year into that. Yeah, they and they, they passed the ball like 54 times or something. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. You, know, you don't have any wide receivers, and, you, and, and, and you've got this guy throwing 50 balls? Right, right. <laughs> I didn't like any of it. <laughs> uh, it's not even my team, and I'm a little mad. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I me too. Like not, my, not my team at all, and I was mad too, and uh, I watched it. <laughs> I watched it with my cousin, who's a big big Browns fan and it was painful so uh all right so we think that the Browns are going to be in uh last thing I hate to end on a negative note but uh what do you make of Dwayne Haskins and what the fall of Dwayne Haskins the 15th pick overall who some thought should have gone to the Giants instead of Daniel Jones at number six and now he finds himself now not only the third string quarterback of the Washington football team he's cut yeah, and I didn't read real deep the articles over what happened with the whole no mask and uh, was he at a strip club or he was at a party with or, some strippers or whatever. Yeah. But I think that's pretty part and parcel for the professional sports landscape. I don't think anybody's ever lost their job in pro sports because they were around some strippers. Right. I think right. I think the big part there was he was a knucklehead. He didn't have the mask on, and that's where we are right now. Where you're you're going to get pounded if if that's not true. But I really think that's a lot of smokescreen. I think that made it convenient yeah. for that team to get rid of a player that they didn't like. And he didn't give them anything to like. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for Dwayne. He played horribly every chance he got. And mm-hmm. early in the season, I was, I was kind of being the Ohio State homer and saying, oh, well, Washington's horrible. Of course he can't play well there. He has nothing to work with. But then he got benched, and other guys looked just fine. I mean, they're still a bad team, but... Nobody looked as abysmal as he did. And now this fourth-string whoever that played better than him last week in the fourth quarter comes in. He was in the, he was in the, uh, the, the, the Vince McMahon League. Yeah. He played, <laughs> and he's I think, playing better than this high draft pick. That's Dwayne's got Dwayne's to refocus. He's got to get another chance. He's too talented to not get another chance. Yeah. He, he, a bad year. People, nobody cares. I think, nobody in that yeah. league cares. The, everybody in that league looks at guys and says, oh, I can make something to him. I, I listen to the Tony. He'll be fine. Yeah, I listen to the Tony Kornheiser podcast. Uh, you know, whenever it's on, I, I, you know, if it's on, you know, three day, three times a week, I listen to it, and it comes right out of D.C. And I will say this: that they, that there's been some, you know, th- this has been a long conversation about him, but he got drafted because he's from that area. That the that the owner wanted him. Jay Gruden, who was a lame duck coach, did not want him. So he came in. That wasn't a good situation. Then Jay Gruden gets fired. Ron Rivera comes in, and he says it's an open competition. And it just it just was never a good situation. And it's kind of it, you know it's 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 sometimes uh, emblematic of what happens in professional sports. Ben Roethlisberger gets drafted late uh, by the Steelers, and that couldn't have been a better team for him to go to, uh, especially his first couple years. Talent. Super Bowl as a rookie. Yeah, you know, a second year, I believe, his second year. Oh, okay, all right. And but but, but his first year as a starter and all. Of, anyway, long story short, it really matters where you go, and hopefully he does get a second chance. But as a Buckeye, I just wanted to ask you your thoughts on that because I thought that was, I thought that was painful. This just the, just the the pieces that that happened there. He's he's playing. He's playing behind a guy who literally had like 50 million surgeries on his leg, 
and uh, is working on one leg, so to speak, um, in Alex Smith. So uh, I've never heard anyone say Dwayne's a bad kid. You know? Yeah. It's been a bad year. Yeah. He's got to get his head right, obviously. Yeah. And show people that we can flush 2020 all together. But, yeah, it wasn't a good situation for him. I read the same stuff you did where did Daniel Snyder like him because he played high school ball with his son? Snyder's kid and yeah. the whole coaching staff was like, no, 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 we can't do anything with that. And yeah. They didn't want him. And then Rivera comes in, and I think it's been clear from the start, Rivera's not a believer, uh, which probably goes back to Dwayne in practice. I'm, I'm not blaming on Rivera. Right. Uh, I, I, I will usually, you know, it, coaches know. <laughs> they know their guys. Yeah. You know? So for us to sit here because we like Dwayne and, and make excuses for him, I, I won't do it. But he'll get an opportunity. I, I just – He's he's just got to prove himself. Now. Yeah, he's got to go and back to the, go back on on field now because now you've got a little bit of a rough as a knucklehead. Yeah, and that's tough because the other Buckeyes on that Washington team are you know I mean really fine leaders McLaurin and Chase Young. Oh, yeah. uh, so you know, he didn't Young's. fit that mold with them, and he needs to now prove that that he doesn't have problems off the field to go with the plenty of problems that he has shown us that he has on the field right now. Yeah, well said. Okay. Uh, we'll get you uh, get you out of here on this. Uh, last uh, two things. One, uh, you got a score for uh, you got a prediction for the Buckeyes and Clemson. Oh, I mean, take the I Buckeyes. Take the... I, 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 I need to stick with my prediction of the Buckeyes hanging within the spread. So uh, Clemson by four or six. Okay. All right. Uh, and then anything else happening around the uh, high school roundup in our area? Uh, that we should keep our eye on this week. Man, I think I think you got it nailed pretty much right now. We uh, we're just ramping up now. Yeah. People are going to take a couple more days off here with the second holiday in a row, and and then it's going to get serious real fast because teams have had games postponed, and January and early February are always really busy anyway. So you're going to see a lot of teams now playing four game weeks, and it's. The game's going to fly, and they're going to be big games. It's not going to be where, oh, we only have one conference game this week. There's a lot of times where teams are going to have Tuesday, Friday conference games. It's going to be a real interesting uh, trip the rest of the way out, and that's just if it goes normal, yeah. and I think we all know it's not going to. There's yeah. going to be more wrenches thrown our way throughout the winter. Well said. Uh, always a pleasure, Jason. Uh, check out Jason's website, Hometown Stations, and uh, they've got the full schedules there, which are really uh, desirable to take a look at to keep yourself up with what's going on. Uh, it's a great place to view that. Jason, uh, always a pleasure, man. Happy New Year. Look forward to sit. We'll talk on Saturday on the radio program, uh, 93 won the fan, and uh, enjoy uh, your holiday with uh, your family. It's uh, tomorrow evening, New Year's Eve, uh, as we uh, tape this on Wednesday night. This is a New Year's Eve. We'll drop this on. New Year's Eve, so you get a little preview, folks, of what's going to happen on January 1st. So always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, Matt. Everybody will have like 36 hours after they overdo it on New Year's to be ready to wake up with us Saturday morning, right? That's right. That is good point. Good point. Good point. Hey, uh, always great. Uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it.